Hey, welcome to the Central Westland Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for downloading and thank you for listening. We hope that today you find God's Word to be encouraging, challenging, and inspiring your life today. We would love to connect with you through our Facebook page and Instagram page. All you got to do is look on Facebook or Instagram and search for Central Westland Church. Please know that we love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. If you have a Bible, turn to Luke chapter 5. I'll be there in about 10 minutes. Oh, before we get there, let me share this. If you think back with me two weeks ago, uh, we talked about temptation. Uh, we talked about uh, how temptation is one of our biggest problems we have in our life today. Um, temptation determines our life. We talked about how the t- temptation comes in the life of, of a believer. If you are in Christ today, you can expect to be tempted. You can expect the enemy to come after you. You can expect the enemy to try to lure and pull you away uh, from Jesus. We also talked about with temptation how uh, the Lord is always with us. And Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians that he always makes a way out um, when we are tempted, when we are being tempted by the enemy. And I said that Sunday, two weeks ago, I said that temptation was one of our two biggest problems that I believe that we have in our world today. Well, today we're going to talk about the second one, and that is um, obedience. Obeying the word of the Lord, I believe, is a huge problem that we have in in our country, in our world, in the churches, in my life, and maybe in yours, if I had to guess as well. I hope you know that temptation and obedience go hand in hand, right? The enemy tries to tempt us one way, and it's obedience that holds steady the other way. Does that make sense? The enemy's trying to pull away from the Lord. Obedience holds steady in our growth, in our faith, in our hope towards the Lord. So, let's talk about obedience. I am the dad of two kids. I know all about obedience. Mom and dad, you know what I'm talking about? Yes, you do. When you tell your kid, hey, go clean your room. And then they go turn the TV on. Or you tell the kid, hey, go empty the dishwasher. And then they go outside to play. And you tell the kid, you don't get your rear end in here and empty that dishwasher right now. I'm going to introduce my hand to your bottom. Anybody get spankings as a kid? Anybody else's mama keep a belt behind the couch just in case? Okay, I didn't know if it was just me. I didn't know if it was just mine. I don't know. She had a thick leather belt, just lay. You know, like a couch has got like the the lip on the back of behind the cushion. You know what I'm talking about? She had it just sitting there, just waiting, just in case. I don't think I was that bad of a kid, but it could have been because she had the belt there that I was not that bad of a kid. I don't know. Now, my aunt Brenda, who just recently passed away, I was at her house when I was a kid one time. <laughs> I should only share this. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. She's, she, she's dead now. Uh, she, she, she's passed. She was a great aunt, the best aunt ever. She taught me how to play Uno. She taught me how to play Phase 10, how to play Monopoly. Best aunt ever. 
I was at her house one time, and I, I don't remember what I was doing, but apparently I wasn't doing something that she wanted me to do because she said, if you don't stop, and she reached her hand in between the cushions of the couch and pulled out a, a, like a, a knife, like a, a butcher's, what do you call the big, what do you call the big square knives that the butcher uses? A butcher knife, a cleaver, yes, pulled that thing out. She said, you better stop. I said, Okay. Whatever you want. Best aunt ever, y'all. I'm telling you, she was the best. She's the great. Don't think bad of her. She's in heaven right now, and we're here. She's got it much better than you and I. But old girl pulled a knife on me one day, so. <laughs> I don't know. She's a good, good aunt. Okay, anyway, so mom and dad, you know what I'm talking about. There was an instance, uh, there was an instance several years ago when TJ was playing with some toys, and I remember I was laying on the bed, and he was doing something. And I said, we're getting ready to go somewhere. I said, buddy, you need to go put that up in your room. Go put it up in your room where it goes. Don't just go throw it on the bed. Don't just go throw it on the floor. Go put it up in the spot that you have designated for whatever toy it was. He's like, no. And I'm like, what? I said, TJ, go put that toy up. I try to be a patient dad. I try. I said, TJ, go put the toy up. And he picked the toy up, and he starts walking towards the door, going out of our bedroom into his. And he stops, and he turns and looks at me. And I could see, like, his mind working, like, what's going to happen if I don't do this? What's going to happen if I do do this? Like, is it worth the chance of not doing it? Like, I see all this working in his mind, that's what temptation looks like, right? Like we talked about two weeks ago. And then obedience looks like he went and put the toy up. Thankfully, if not, you would have had to call Child Protective Services. And I would be delivering this sermon from a jail cell. But that's okay. Um, Anna Lee has learned, one of her first words that she learned is the word no. Just this morning, we were sitting back there. I said, Anna Lee, go put this in the trash can. No. I said, Anna Lee, go put this in the trash can. She said, no. She said, Daddy, do it. <laughs> so Daddy did it. I'll do it for Anna Lee, boy. She's the best. I'll do anything for her. She told me the day she was born, she loved the Lord, she loved Roy Williams, and loved Dale Earnhardt. She's going straight to heaven. She was born saved. She's the best. There are two main reasons, I believe, today that we obey anything or obey anyone. And the first one is fear. The first one is fear. Um, many of you, you may obey the speed limit law because you don't want to get a ticket, because you don't want to get arrested, because you don't want to get your name in the paper this week, because you don't want to get in trouble. Many of you, when you were younger, you may have obeyed your parents out of fear of getting that belt that's behind the couch or, Lord, getting that knife that's in between the, knife, the, the cushions of the couch. Um, fear is a reason that we obey uh, people. Fear is a reason that we obey things. The law sometimes is obeyed out of fear. Um, however, do we obey the Lord out of fear? Now, here's what I think about fear. 
Lots of times we don't like to talk about the Lord and fear in the same sentence because they don't seem to go together. There should be no fear of the Lord. There should be nothing to be afraid of. However, the Word has a lot to talk about, about fear and obedience with the Lord. It says things like this in Proverbs 9, verse 10. It says, fear the, fear, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So there, Solomon writes that fear of the Lord leads to knowledge which it comes with understanding. Psalm 130 is kind of an odd verse. It says this, But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I remember the first time I read that verse several years ago, I thought, that don't make no sense. The psalmist writes, With you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. It doesn't seem to me like forgiveness and fear go together. Like if I was writing that psalm, I may would say like, with you there is forgiveness that we may love you. Right? Or with you there is judgment so that we may fear you. It doesn't seem like forgiveness and fear go together. The problem is our, or the problem is mine, I don't want to speak for you today. The problem is my definition and my thought of fear. When we speak of fear, we speak of fear as in worry or anxiety or stress or fear and fright from punishment, right? We talked about following the speed limit because of fear, obeying parents because of fear. We do that so because we don't want to be punished. We don't want the belt. We don't want the ticket. We don't want the the jail cell. We don't want the punishment that comes along with the disobedience. However, when you read in Scripture about fearing the Lord, that fear is a little different. Let me show you this scene in Exodus chapter 20. This is right around the time of the golden calf issue with the Israelites. It says this, All the Israelites and Moses had gathered around Mount Sinai, and the word says this in Exodus chapter 20. Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled. And they stood far off and said to Moses, You speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us or we will die. You get the scene? They were scared to death of God. You saw the, the heard the thunder, lightning, smoke in the, in the mountain. God was angry. They were scared to death. The word even says they were afraid and trembled. Check out verse 20. Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. Now that makes no sense when you just read it. Moses says, Don't fear. God's testing you that you may fear him and not sin. What is the point of fearing God? Here's the point of fearing God. Is it okay to follow the Lord, to obey the Lord out of fear of the Lord? The answer is yes, as long as that's not fear of punishment. The word says for those that are in Christ today, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ. If you're in Christ today, you are loved, you are accepted, you are victorious, you have a place in heaven waiting on you, God is with you, his arms are around you, he's blessed you today. There is no condemnation, there is no bad thoughts, there is no punishment for those that are in Christ today. So what is there to fear? What we are to fear and what Moses is telling the people here in Exodus chapter 20 
is don't be afraid of God, but you've got to realize who God is. You've got to realize he's holy. You've got to realize he's righteous. You've got to have a healthy honor and awe and wonder of who God is and what God can do for you, what God can do around you, and what God can do for you. Moses says, do not fear. God is testing you so that you will fear him and not sin. How do we not sin and fear him? It's because we realize our fear of him, the awe, the respect, the wonder, the majesty of who he is, the, the, worship, the worship that we have to him leads us to live a life of no sin. So is it okay to obey outside, or is it okay to obey out of fear? Yeah, as long as it's not fear of punishment. I don't want you walking out of here this morning thinking God's mad at you. That God's going to strike you down. That God's going to get you. Now Moses is saying, don't be afraid, but know who you're talking to. He's holy. He's majestic. He's righteous. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's in heaven today. He's the creator of all of this. We've got to understand that God is God, that He's great, He's powerful, He's majestic, He's the Creator. And when we understand that and we have a healthy fear and we have a healthy knowledge and understanding and wisdom, as Proverbs says, then that will lead to us to obeying God out of fear. Not out of being afraid of punishment, but out of wonder and awe of who He is and what he's done for us. Does that make sense? The second reason we obey people and stuff, one's out of fear, and the second one we want to spend a little time talking about this morning, that is out of love. That is out of love. Let's read Matthew, let's read Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 1, says this. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little, fur, a little further from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Stop. Wouldn't that be quite a place to be that day? How cool would it be to be out there hanging out on the beach? Jesus walks up, jumps in a guy's boat, and starts preaching. Wouldn't that be sweet? Y'all don't think that'd be sweet? You listen, you're mixing the beach, the sand, the suntan, the flip-flops, and Jesus? Best day ever. Keep reading. Verse 4. When he had finished speaking, Jesus said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Verse 5. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boats to come help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Verse 8. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. 
For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. So, uh, so, and so were James, John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up to the shore, left everything, and followed him. That is the story of Jesus calling his first disciples here in the book of Luke. Before we talk about following Jesus out of love, let me tell you real quickly what obedience is not. What obedience is not. Obedience is not outward compliance. Obedience is not outward compliance. Mom and dad, you know all about outward compliance. How many times have you told your kid to go clean the room? They went and cleaned the room, but they were hating it on the inside. That's outward compliance. Mom and dad, how many times have you outwardly complied with your kids? They wanted to watch a movie. You didn't care nothing about that cartoon. Thank you. Did we comply? Did we hate it on the inside? I did it last night. Last night. I found myself and TJ at the Denton Public Library. On Fridays, they have movie nights outside. Really cool. Give away free popcorn. Girl was there selling uh, snow cones. I had a watermelon snow cone. Sweet. You know what movie they were showing? Lion King. You know who knows nothing about Disney movies? You know who cares nothing about Disney movies? You know who was texting his wife who loves Disney movies and telling her what's happening with the, with the lions and the baby lion and the girl lion and the daddy lion and the mean lion and trying to get her to figure out how much longer this movie's got because I'm about done with, with this movie? You know who outwardly complied on the outside last night with his son? But on the inside was thinking, this stinks. Let's go watch a ball game. I even texted Kelly before the movie started. I said, hey, does anybody get shot in this movie? I said, does anybody run from the law? Is there like a police chase scene in this movie? Is there a terrorist unit in this movie? She said, no. I said, why am I here? Because I outwardly complied. Everybody follow? Outward compliance, while hating it on the inside, is not obedience. I get a little outward compliance from, from Simon, from Peter here in this section. Because you know in verse 5 he says, Lord, we've been out all night. We didn't catch a thing. We're cleaning the nets, and now you want us to go back out. And Simon says, well, because you say so, I'll go. I get a little outward compliance. However, what you read in the next few verses, when you read on through, you realize it's not outward compliance because you get down to verse 8. And once God shows his power and his might to Simon, and after his obedience, you see that Simon falls at his knees, tells him that he's a sinful man, tells him to go away from him because he's a sinful man. What we see is what we think is outward compliance is really Simon saying, Lord, because you said it, I'll go. That, my friends, is obedience. The Lord says, go, I'm in. Not because I have to. Not because I can. Simply because he says to do it. I hope today, I hope today you and I have a commitment to Jesus. Hope today we have a relationship with Jesus to the point of, 
When he leads, we follow. Whatever that looks like in our life. When he leads, we follow. When we obey Jesus out of love, when we obey Jesus out of devotion, out of adoration, out of respect and honor and love, it changes our life. We do it not because we have to. We do it not because we can. We do it not because we can try harder to follow and try harder to obey, but we do it simply because we love Him and we know that He loves us. When Callie asked me to clean out the dishwasher, there are times I outwardly comply. And on the inside, I'm like, this terrible why don't you do this Luke you can come sleep at my house tonight if you need to well you can't be amen in that Luke I got a basement and a couch you can have it my man that's a man that's been married like one year y'all like he don't know yet <laughs> fellas he don't know he hadn't learned yet Luke you better take notes son let me read this to you. First John, the Apostle John writes this in verse, chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. Everyone who believes that Jesus is, is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his, and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome, for everyone born of God welcomes the world, overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. First John's telling us there, love inside leads to obedience on the outside. It's not done because we have to. It's not done because we, uh, we think we can prove something. John says clearly in verse 3, this is love for God to keep his commands. If you love the Lord today, you will keep his commands. Because that's on the inside of you. That's what's on the inside. Love leads you to obey. Love leads you to follow. Love leads you to do what the Lord's asking you to do. I clean out the dishwasher not because I have to, not because I'm trying to show off, but because of my love for my wife and my love for my family, and we don't have any more clean forks, and we need a fork to eat supper tonight. Right? Everybody follow? The second thing about obedience here is we obey out of love, we obey out of fear, and we obey because it's on the inside of us. Paul says this in Philippians chapter 2, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purposes. Paul says this, the Lord works in you so that you can work outside. Do you understand what that means? It means what the Lord does on the inside of you comes through on the outside. The Lord works in, He wants you to work out. He wants you to live. He wants you to act. He wants you to talk what He has done on the inside. What has that got to do with obedience? Everything. 
Because Paul is saying it's not your power that you're obeying by. It's not your word you're obeying. You're not working inside yourself, making yourself better, and then trying to live better on the outside. Paul is saying the Lord works in, you work out. Can I tell you this morning, if you have a struggle, if you have troubles following and obeying the Lord when God's calling you to do something, and you think it's impossible, can I tell you that it's in you to obey? It's in you. No, it's too tough. No, it's in your heart because God worked it in, you work it out. God's calling you to give. I can't do it. No, 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 no. Yes, you can. It's in you. God worked it in, you work it out. Tell your neighbor to go work out. Tell them right now. Tell them, go work out. Go work out. Go work out. Go work out. The Lord works in, we work out. You know the good thing about this? It takes all the pressure off of us. It takes all the pressure off you and I. Because all we have to do is follow. All we have to do is say yes. All we have to do is obey. Because all the work's already been done on the inside of us. All the work's already been done on the inside. All we have to do is let the overflow of that work, let the overflow of what God has done on the inside of us come through on the outside. Husbands, you want to love your wife better? It starts here. You want to be a better parent? It starts here. You want to be a better friend, a better coworker? You want to be a better witness for the Lord? It starts here. The Lord works it on the inside, and you work it on the outside. Do not let the work of Jesus Christ today stop inside of you. Let it out. And you do that through obedience. You do that through what the Lord has already implanted what the Lord has already changed on the inside of your heart, it flows out into your life. One of my favorite verses in all of Scripture is Matthew 12, 34. If you're looking for an easy way to remember this, I used to tell youth group kids this all the time. The easiest way to remember this verse, it's Matthew 1, 2, 3, 4. 12, 34. Matthew 1, 2, 3, 4. Jesus says this, Out of the overflow of the heart speaks the mouth. How many times have I said that verse to you, Kelly, over the years? Bunches. Every time Kelly says, says something derogatory towards me, I says, Kelly, that's in your heart. She says, Michael, I didn't mean it. I said, the word says you did. The word says it's in your heart. No. <laughs> Nothing bad ever comes out of my mouth. Except last night at that Lion King movie, okay? <laughs> I wasn't really excited about the Lion King movie. Out of the overflow of the heart, Jesus said, speaks the mouth. That's the Lord doing the work inside and us working it out. Does that make sense? Everybody follow? That's the Lord doing the work on the inside and us working it out. Look at Simon here in this story in Luke chapter 5. We see two things I want to share with you real quickly and we'll be done. And when I say quickly, I mean quickly. Two things that obedience brings in our life. Number one, obedience brings a right view of ourself. You see in verse 8, Simon says, uh, when Simon Peter saw this, when he saw the catch, when he saw all the fish that had been brought into the boat, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. 
What we notice there is that when we follow, when we obey the Lord, when we obey Jesus, when we do simply do what Jesus is asking us to do, he gives us a right view of ourselves. It helps us understand who we are. Here's the flip side of that. When we don't obey, when we're being disobedient, when we're not following the word and we're not following Jesus' words, what happens is that is sin. How many of you know that disobedience is sin? James tells us that disobedience is sin. Knowing what to do and not doing it, the book of James says, is sin. Disobedience is sin. So when we disobey, sin comes in. Once sin grabs a hold of you, how many of you know it's hard to get loose? And then once some more sin piles on top of that, and then more and more and more, what happens is, once we start falling into a routine and start falling into a life of disobedience, sin calluses our heart, sin calluses your life, sin makes it hard for you to understand who God is, sin makes it hard for you to understand who you are in Christ, and what happens is, you either see yourself as one of two things. One, you see yourself as untouchable, that you can do whatever you want, whenever you want, no matter what it takes, no matter who it hurts, it doesn't matter. I'm in charge of my life. I'm doing my own thing. Or two, sin makes you think that you're so bad, that you're so far from the Lord, that you're so dirty, that you're so much of a sinner, there's no way he could ever forgive. Everybody follow? Once disobedience sets in, sin's there. Once sin builds up so much, you have a wrong view of yourself, thinking you're much better than what you really are, or thinking you're much worse than what you really are. Here we see Simon tell Jesus, get away from me, for I'm a sinful man. He had a right view of who he was. When we obey Jesus, when we obey the words of the Lord, it illuminates in our heart. It illuminates our life, and we understand our position in the kind of pecking order of the world. We understand that Jesus is first, that we need him. We can't do it without him. We understand that his love for us, and then that leads to our love for him. Amen? The second thing, real quickly, last thing here we want to point out to you is when we obey it's contagious to the people around us. When we obey, it's contagious to the people around us. Jesus tells, uh, tells Simon there at the very end of this section, he says, from now on, you won't just fish for fish, but you'll fish for what? Men, people. You're not just going to fish for fish anymore. You're going to fish for people. There's going to be people that follow you. Simon had no clue at the time. Peter had no clue. Acts chapter 2 meant nothing to him at this time. We read it now knowing about Acts chapter 2. He didn't know, had no clue about Acts chapter 2. What we know now is that because of Peter's obedience and because of Jesus' call on Peter's life and because of Jesus' love for Peter, he ended up being the foundation of the church. He ended up being the rock of the church. He ended up being starting this whole thing that we still do 2,000 years later that you and I are a part of today. Think of all the people. Think of all the pe people that Peter's life has touched. 
whether in person, in Scripture, or 2,000 years later, us reading about it. Think of all the people that Peter inspired. Think of all the people that his obedience to Jesus has encouraged to obey today. I would agree with Jesus when Jesus said, you're going to influence people. You're going to draw people to me. You're going to fish for people. And I believe the same is true for you and I today. When we obey the Lord, it's contagious to the people around us. Our friends see it. Our neighbors see it. Our kids see it. Our husband and wife see it. Our coworkers see it. Our teacher sees it. Our students see it. They see your love. They see your obedience. They see you following God's will. And boy, do they want some of it too. And that, my friends, is a part of obedience when you give it to them, when you share it with them, when you share your, the words of the Lord through words, through actions. Obeying the Lord doesn't just affect your life, but it affects the people's lives around you. Amen? I hope you know today, come on up, y'all, come on up, man. I hope you know today that all of us in here today Every one of us are called to be ministers for the Lord, right? Um, the only difference between me ministering and you ministering is I get paid for it. <laughs> Thank you, by the way. <laughs> Thank you, by the way. I appreciate it. The only difference between us, well, there's two differences. I get a paycheck, and I'm going to be judged a lot differently than you are the way you minister on Judgment Day. Okay? You may not be called today to preach in front of people. You may not be called today to lead worship or to, to lead a Bible study. But you are called today to be a minister for the Lord. One of the ways that you can do that is by simply obeying God in your life today. Because when you obey, Jesus says, people will be drawn in. Jesus tells Peter, You'll fish for people. I believe Jesus tells us every single day, follow me, people are watching. Follow me, people will come. Obey me, people will be there. Obey me, there'll be people there for you to love. There'll be people there for you to share my word. There'll be people there for you to tell about forgiveness. There'll be people there for you to pray with and pray for. There'll be people there for you to help. There'll be people there to help you when you need help. But it starts with obedience. Amen? Let's stand together. <coughs> Let's pray. Lord, today we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for this scene here in Luke chapter 5. God, we thank you for Simon's obedience. God, even though he didn't feel like taking the boat back out, even though he was tired, he said some of the most encouraging words that you can read in Scripture. Because you said so, we'll go. So God, I pray today for my friends and my family. God, I pray today that we will have a committed heart. God, I pray we'll have a devoted heart that will follow you
as you lead. God, help us to obey your word. Help us to live out what you have worked in. God, even when it's tough, even when it don't make any sense, even when we don't know where it's going, even when we don't know the end game, God, help us to trust you at the beginning. Your word says that you are the beginning and the end. So God, help us to trust you even when we don't understand, even when we can't see it, even when it's hard for us to believe it. Help us to obey. Lord, we love you today. We thank you for being worthy of our obedience. We thank you for being trustworthy enough for us to obey. God, we love you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.